Why, hello there. This is James Barnett, creator and producer of the Night's End podcast. Just a quick one before the episode starts. Our art competition is still open for five more days, or a little longer, depending on where you are in the world. For your chance at $50 US and a Night's End mug, head over to nightsend.com and submit some artwork now, inspired by our podcast. Also, we are open for submissions to Halloween-themed stories from four to 8,000 words. We are working on a special Halloween series that you are going to want to be part of. As with the art competition, please head to nightsend.com to submit. Lastly, we released a horror-themed apparel line about a month or so ago called Stay Horrific. There are some great designs that are available on t-shirts, tanks, socks, dresses, bikinis, and mugs. Head to stayhorrific.com to check it out. Prices listed are in Australian dollars. And that's all. Thank you for listening and your ongoing support. Enjoy the episode. doctor isn't somewhere in this house. I would be like a fountain of life for that guy. My sins are numerous and many, (laughs) probably immeasurable. These people keep talking about how bad they have it here, being stuck in a mansion. (laughs) Well, they haven't seen my house. The pain I put my prisoners through on a daily basis. Well, hell would be a picnic, really. What are you doing in this house? The boss will claim you. He will devour you. This must be Belmortaine, the elusive lady of the house gone mad. Quickly, friend. Let's move on to the next room. how we think that this wooden door will stop a ghost. Well, it seems to have worked either way. She's gone. What's here in this room? I can't see a thing. (laughs) Who's there? Do you mind getting your hand off my face? Oh, I'm sorry didn't know anyone else was in here. Well, here is not where we are supposed to be. 
Bren, light that candle. That's better. Oh, couple of gargoyles, eh? Yes, but not where we are supposed to be. We once sat proud on either side of the front door. Now we've been relegated to this dank room. Who took you down? The last devours all. The last devours all. The butler took us down. He drained our power for his own use and to prevent us from stopping his plan. We were once proud guardians of this place. Malik certainly hasn't been making any friends here, has he? (laughs) You guys haven't seen an elevator, have you? Only once you have witnessed all the tales. May the exit appear for the way out. A way out for you. And us. And everyone. When the lost is vanquished. Whoa. Heavy. Finally some useful information though, isn't it, friend? I've my own things to vanquish at home, but if we have to do it here to get back home, let's do it. Witness. Them all. All right, friend. Grab that pedestal. Gargoyles of the Abbey Written by Matthew Wilson Narrated by Xander Swig. When I awoke, they were watching the penguins. Since my ship had been sunk in enemy action, I could have believed I'd drifted to the southern seas, but then the morphine cleared from my eyes and I realized the smiling woman in black and white garb were nuns. Reassuring sunlight poured in through the ivy-colored abbey windows, and the reflection of the bright, bleached, polished ward floor hurt my head. I tried to sit up, And then I realized that was a mistake. The nun motioned for a bucket, but I didn't puke. The inner sanctum of the abbey had been transformed into a hospital unit filled with determined women of God who had rolled up their sleeves to do their bit and save as many silly men as they could who had signed their names on the dotted line, desperate to kill themselves and each other. Do you speak English? I asked. Mother had brought me up to be a gentleman, so I didn't speak aloud of my dislike of nuns. One woman watched me with her green, cat-like eyes, smiling awkwardly when I talked, and then returned to soaking bandages and bactine when I stopped. No English, huh? I lamented. Was she from the enemy nation? Had they overtaken my land as their leader had promised? Or had the little deer taken a vow of silence? I jumped 
when one of the other ten men lying in bed, some with broken legs raised in plaster, screamed out and knocked a tray from the bed. If not for the drugs, how was I to sleep in such a hustle and bustle place? I remembered the shells of no man's land and explosions that had given me the shakes. I would not freak out now. I forced my mouth into a smile and tried to nod. The nun pushed me back down into the bed and nodded back with greater ease. She closed her eyes with a dramatic flare and I figured that she wanted me to sleep. She tilted her head as if sleeping and I nodded again. I'll try, I said as she stood and took her leave. But how could I sleep? Before he had a hole blown into his face, my captain had told me that German soldiers were the thing I should fear most. But it was not. It was nuns. But at least I had a good reason. I was young when it happened. When mom chose another man over me and left me in the care of some local nuns. I wasn't Catholic or religious, but at every opportunity... They tried to beat their love of God into me. They struck me for slacking in class, for saying my prayers wrong, and even for leaving streaks as I cleaned the orphanage windows. The bruises had long ago healed, but not the emotional ones. The women here were doing a wonderful thing, risking their lives to help strangers, and I was truly grateful. I wondered how they could pay for it. Wars left normal people penniless. Most people back home were hungry and struggled to fill a plate with a meal. Nuns weren't normal. I told myself to stop thinking back, but still I could not shake off my apprehension. Especially when my dead captain shook me awake that first night and said we had to leave. I snapped awake in the chilly light of a gibbous moon and recoiled from the hole in his face as he stood over me, grinning like a boogeyman coming to take a naughty child away. I have been good, sister. Honest. Whack. These nuns are going to kill you, Tommy. The night was dark and had weight. When I tried to sit again, it felt like the captain's hand was on me, heavy and suffocating. Cap? He had lost his beauty. Shush. He cooed, like a lover coming for a midnight kiss. You want people to think you're nuts? I tried to hide my disgust as I could see his mangled teeth roll like discarded bullets in his mutilated mouth, his purple pulsing brain still throbbing with robbed life. He had warned me about smoking in the trenches. There were always snipers out there making their name eager to put nine grams of lead in a captain's head. Cap, I I hate to tell you this, but you're dead, I whispered and tugged at the vein in my arm. How much morphine had they given me? These, these women are helping me. They're nuns. Captain shook his head determinedly, spraying the polished floor with fetid brain juice. How long had he been exhumed from his unmarked grave in no man's land? The soil staining his clothes seemed 
poisoned. His eyes were bright and excited, but carried no life. I have to get you out of here, Tony. I looked at the mess on the floor and rolled away from him. Leave me alone, you're dead, I said, and closed my eyes. Hopefully, the nightmares would leave my system when the morphine did. Tomorrow would bring more reassuring sunlight and the smile of a good woman bringing me hot soup. But when I opened my eyes a few hours later, it brought me a nun, tutting, displeased as she soaked a rag from a water bucket and dropped to her hands and knees. I didn't need to understand her language to recognize her frustration as she cleaned. I also would have asked her how such a mess ruined her hospital floor as well. But if I had known, I certainly wouldn't have told either. Over the following days, the nuns gave me pens to write my name, but they could not understand my requests for English newspapers or to answer my questions. I figured that I had washed up on a neutral shore. The death of my captain had been too much for me on land, and I had transferred to the Baltic Navy, setting sail to root out any German warships carrying cargo or men to foreign battlefields. Still, the ghost of my captain followed me. Sometimes I heard his footsteps on those lonely metal catwalks. I thought I had gotten far enough away, but still he had followed me. And when I heard the screams at night, I expected it to be him still telling me we had to run. That he had seen terrible things here. But dead men did not speak. Men with only one eye did not see well. I was beaten in body and mind and needed rest. I would not listen to the ramblings of my guilty mind. The captain was gone and I would accept it in time. I would heal and probably be shipped off again to a needless war when I did. I closed my eyes and tried to sleep again. Tried to tell myself that hospitals were normal places for the screams of tortured men. It was the fourth night when I saw them. When they thought I was sleeping and surrounded a fellow in a bed opposite mine. Clustered in a group like penguins protecting some egg in the center, they watched the sleeping soldier in the moonlight. And then, on some secret signal, one raised a pillow and brought all her weight down upon his head, smothering his screams. The other woman threw their arms around his limbs, bounding him and carrying him above their shoulders like some football coach who had seen them through every game and deserved celebrating. The man tried to scream as they carried him to a door at the end of the hospital ward but still one covered his mouth no other patient chanced to be awake none took notice of his absence the following morning when I asked my questions the nun with green eyes smiled without understanding instead she put a bowl of rabbit stew on my lap and indicated that I eat to keep my strength If anyone saw the fellow the nuns carried out that night, then I never heard of it. I was pleased when the other patients started going home. Though I never saw them get up and walk out the door, I just assumed they'd gotten better and been discharged. Then, at night, 
The angel and the gargoyle statues in the abbey walls laughed at me. Tony, I learned you better than that. You know what they're doing to men here. Go away, you're dead, I said in the heavy dark, but didn't open my eyes. One day too, I would get well and be discharged. Maybe I could see my family again like they had. My uncaring mother who had turned her back and run out on me because I was unworthy of love. The captain took my hand and gave it a little shake. You can be angry at me for going away, but you have to listen to what I say, the captain said. He had left me like everyone. But I would be brave now and normal, as the law demanded. Maybe there were worse things than hallucinations wrong with me. Tony, you're not wrong and you're not stupid. We have to get out of here. I opened my eyes and, squinting in the low light, saw that only five men remained in the ward. So much good news. The nuns had worked their magic and made them well, and every time one patient left, the nuns brought me rabbit soup to celebrate. Sometimes, there were hard bits in the soup. Bullets not yet cut out of injured men. Tony! It's not too late for me, is it, Cap? I asked. The captain shook his head, and again, I wished he lived so I could kiss him. I think it rather is, he lamented, and indicated at my legs. When I pulled back the sheets, I screamed until the nuns filled my veins with morphine, so much so that even the reassuring whisper of the captain could not stir me from its stupor for a long time. In the sunlight, everything was nice. The nun with green eyes pointed hopefully at the stumps where my legs had been and tried to indicate some mime I I could not make out. War was a ghastly business. Who knew in what condition these wonderful women had found me? Maybe my legs had been mangled when my ship had sunk, broken by bullets in the climax of the battle that had taken both our vessels to the bottom of the seabed. Amputation had been essential to save my life. So many hungry mouths to go around. War was a ghastly business. So little food and many mouths to feed. Shut up. It had to be that night. Tonight, for once, the idea entered my head that they would come for me, to hack me to pieces, to cease their grumbling guts. I I could not evict it. I nodded, and though she didn't understand, I told the nun I would rest. I would do as she indicated and sleep. But I did not tell her about the knife I slipped off my breakfast tray and secreted beneath my mattress. Like many of my secrets, that one was for myself. Tony. When the night came, so did the coup of the captain. They'll be coming soon, you have to get up. Yeah, I'll, fl- I'll fly out the window like a-, a fairy. The men at the barracks had called me worse. Men armed with bayonets weren't my only enemy back home. Here we go, Captain said. This is gonna hurt now, Tony. I bit my lips, tasting blood, grateful for any other scent than that 
damn bleach in my nostrils as I pushed myself off the bed and into a dazed sitting position on the floor. The nun would be mad that I was making a mess. Crawl now. Crawl for your life. I did. The knife in my trembling hand, leaving scratch marks in the hard, cold tiles. But where could I go? There had to be a car outside I could drive. With no legs? Men laughing at the barracks were right. There was no happy ending for me. Hello? A woman sang out softly. And when the world stopped spinning and I looked up, I realized that the wall had lost the face of one of its gargoyles. The thing dressed in a nun's garb had nothing else resembling a human. Only one thing seemed familiar as before. Gorskeldo, the thing with green cat-like eyes asked hungrily. Come on, lad. The captain encouraged me. The door, the door. I didn't make it. The nun closed the distance between us in one spring as she locked her long, pale fingers around my throat and squeezed. Those green eyes I had thought so charming stared interestingly into mine, curious as to when the lights would leave them. I was right. I had never liked nuns. I thought and had forgotten about the knife in my hand until I struck out at her and was rewarded by a shriek. Shocked and enraged, the nun fell back, hissing like a scratched cat, yelling out for her sisters. Doors opened and candlelight hurried through them. I asked for the captain's forgiveness for letting him down, but instead of answering, he buzzed at me. Then a drone vibrated my ears. Then, when the priceless abbey windows exploded inwards, I realized the enemy wished to expand their empire even further than my own shores. Luftengrepp! Someone screamed, and the woman ran back the way they had come. I needed no translation to recognize an air raid. Somewhere, an alarm wailed as bombers filled the clouds, and women screamed as they ran to shelter. Men sat up in their beds, disoriented and afraid. One reached out to the nurse, calling for water, and she struck him with a glass. Her lips were curled back in a fury I had created, and when the glass was broken glass in her bleeding hands, she used the fragments to cut his throat. Then, when she found him dead and her rage unabated, she turned around and set off after me. But I had not lived in the trenches so long by being a slow learner. Finally, I acted and crawled away as quickly as I could as she had murdered. Outside, great fires turned the night as bright as day. The city was burning, the ambulances wailed. How long had this great abbey stood? Was it a national treasure? Maybe firefighters would rush here to save it for history's sake. Maybe I would not be forsaken after all. The floor was sticky as I crawled into the kitchen, filled with bubbling pans of cooked meat that upended and spilled down the ruined cupboards as more bombs fell and their explosions rattled the ground as if a train were passing by. I refused to die like this after such horrors of war, after all I had been through, not like this. I had survived nuns before and I intended to do so again. Even when an incendiary struck the roof and brought down half of the abbey spire down in the hospital ward, the ground seemed to lift, throwing me against a cooker where I rested, sitting and breathing heavy like a puppet with its strings cut. The green-eyed nun seemed empathetic to the carnage as she strode through the dust, raining down like a witch who could disappear and reappear as smoke. She pushed the door open and smiled, greeting. She asked. I don't know what you're saying, I said, and waved her on, defeated. 
Hopefully, it would be quick. Seeming to read my mind, the nun advanced and nodded her head. The knife in her hand seemed so big, she moved it with expert grace. All those patients she had given peace to. I waited till the last moment, so that she was close so I could see the hate in her eyes before I reached up over my head, grasped the handle of a pot of soup and threw it into her face. There were still ringed fingers in there, and though it was not piping hot and her flesh didn't sizzle as it should have, I still felt great pleasure as she threw her hands up in disgust and shrieked. Nun staggered back, slashing the air with one hand blindly and scooping out the gunge on her face with the other. I don't know if it was the soup or the blood, but she gave a final enraged shout when she lost her footing and slipped on her back. Then. The last explosion I heard was a terrible, thundering crash as the roof finally gave and plummeted inward, but even that couldn't cover up the nun's scream as it covered her. Then there was an awful crunch, and then nothing. To be honest, I don't mind the German nurse. When you're determined to conquer other lands, you put your money behind your war machine, and after the rescuers heard me gibbering in English and handcuffed me to the bed here, there was enough vegetable soup for all. What harm can a legless man do? In line with the Geneva Convention, they let me write letters to the captain's family, and being an actual hospital, there are no gargoyles on the wall. I pick up German phrases, but English newspapers are still forbidden. But I am sure the war goes well for my side. It can only be a matter of time until I'm rescued. At night, the captain still holds my hand. But there is no fear in his voice now. Perhaps I can get a happy ending after all. You've been listening to the Night's End podcast, which is a production of Dissonance Media. Gargoyles of the Abbey was written by Matthew Wilson. To get in touch with Matthew and check out his other work, follow him on Twitter at Matthew 945-44267. Narration was performed by Xander Swag from the Xander and Stone podcast, a science and supernatural podcast where they talk about all things weird. Just search Xander and Stone wherever you get your podcasts or head over to www.excesspodcast.com. Or you can follow Xander's personal Instagram account, at Official. Belmore Tain was performed by Alexis Whiteside. To connect with her, check out her link tree, at Lexi5421. Gargoyle Number 1 was performed by Eric Carrier from the Prairieland Paranormal Podcast, a podcast about all things weird and strange. Search for them wherever you get your podcasts, or go to... PrairielandParanormalPodcast.com Jimmy Horrors and Gargoyle Number 2 was performed by James Barnett. This episode was edited and produced by James Barnett. Thanks for listening. And as always, stay horrific, everyone. <laughs>